In this week's episodes, first is witness Clark has an encounter of the fourth kind and is thrown into the fire when he witnesses a robbery. Then in Accelerate, Lana is seeing dead people. This is a small part. Hello and welcome back. We are so close to the end of season two. I'm Lou Gonzalez, joined as always by Alan Muir. Man, were these episodes not that great? Yeah, yeah. Um, there was interesting stuff, and there's a lot, especially I think both of them. There's like foreshadowing stuff, like heavy that'll play into the rest of the series. Well, they brought back some. They they refer, they they referenced something from season one, the the level three experiment. Oh yeah, it gets referenced in both episodes, I believe, right? Yeah, I think so. And then we have the kryptonite, like, cash that Lionel has is in the first one. And there's other things in both episodes that play into the end of this season and into next season with the honeymoon thing. That, uh, Lionel's interactions with Chloe. Oh, yes, Lionel's interactions with Chloe. Uh, the kid in the second one comes back next season. Or a version of her, I should say. There's a lot of teases to like foreshadowing, but otherwise these are kind of really goofy ass episodes. But uh, I guess we can start. So our first episode is Witness. I feel like this is pretty cut and dry episode. There's a little bit of B and C plot, um, which is kind of just carryover from the whole season, which is basically the tension between Clark and Chloe. Yeah, and to quote Clark, he says every time he. Every time he he's Chloe sees him talking to Lana, she she's acting like he's cheating on her. Yes, which is entirely accurate. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see um, as we go through how that stuff plays out. So basically, we start off this episode with that, and they have like a falling out because Clark doesn't get some story on the debate team turned in. So then he quits the torch. This leads him to leave the interaction he has with lana early um we i think this is also where we learn about the horse thing yes the uh the horse riding or whatever the whatever it's formally called yeah i don't remember it's like an equestrian thing yeah and she she is really excited to have to get tickets because she got tickets for henry and yeah henry and his wife yeah which then leads to a very, I don't want to say depressing, but very cliche thing with Jennifer when uh, Lana and Chloe are in the car and Lana sees Jennifer uh, kiss and another guy come out leaving a, a shop and he they uh, she kisses him on the cheek or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, actually, yeah, they kind of do like that weird little kiss. Um, and then the other thing we get is so after Clark leaves, we see like two guys with crossbows take down uh, a van. It flips over and they just like do this by standing there. Clark appears. They, he tries to stop them. He gets thrown and then he gets up and he gets cracked with like the back of the van's door and costs and they basically get away. And as they're leaving, he x-ray visions the guys through their really bad alien masks and sees that one guy has a metal plate in his head. Yeah. Um, 
then there are a couple of interesting things. Well, that and you notice is that the the perp is wearing a class ring, which means he ha- he has to he must be going to Smallville. Exactly. Um, which I didn't have it a red. I don't know if you noticed this that the the thing was not red. Yeah. But I think in one of the episodes they talked about how that got changed out because of Chloe's thing. Uh, Chloe's like article on it. Yeah, her expose. So Clark goes home, tells his parents about it, and they're like, why didn't you call the cops? He's like, no, I got the hell out of there because I don't want to deal with Sheriff Adams. Yeah. Which I do like that this is kind of carrying over. And she's also involved in the next episode as well for like a second. And then literally the next day at school, I guess Clark, I guess it's meant to like say that like Clark is just standing there next to Pete X-ray visioning everybody's head. Yeah. Because yeah, he just like turns the corner and like, boom, it's that guy. And I think I, at this point, I still did not know who realized who it was. So we get now we meet Eric Marsh and we get like the backstory from Pete. And I did not realize yet, but this is actually so he is played by Zachary Ty Bryan, who played Jonathan Taylor Thomas's older brother on Home Improvement. And I completely <laughs> forgot he's in this episode or he was in an episode. And this is kind of one of the last things he did in his career of note. He did a bunch of like bad TV movies and stuff. So <laughs> basically, Eric is awesome at baseball and he's like crushing the ball at batting practice. And then we see him, well, before he starts swinging, he like takes an inhaler that's full of green stuff. Which is obviously kryptonite. Yes. Which it's so obvious that like, how could he, like, how could no one notice that he's like inhaling this thing? Like, it was so weird. But uh, then he hits that weird home run off of the, I believe. So he basically eyeballs that Clark is eyeballing him. Then he hits like a home, like a the ball into the scoreboard right above Clark and Pete. Yeah, into one of the lights. Yeah. And just destroys it. So then we go to one of the better scenes of this episode, which is Lionel uh, at the mansion with Lex. And this is where we get the whole, oh, he's just there to like talk to him about his engagement, which is obviously BS, which Lex calls him out on. Yeah, and the fact that he just he he, he on purpose forgets. Uh, oh, her name, uh, Helen's name. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does it twice, and then gives him the gift to the wedding, which is a trip to a private island. And he tells him he could even use the Luther jet, which is all stuff that will come into play in the next couple, like next season, I think. Right? Oh my god, it's extreme. If it's as if they just took a big card and wrote foreshadowing like foreshadowing in all caps exactly so uh this is also where lionel's like oh, i did you a favor by offering her what was it like a hundred thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars to leave you yeah uh but I, this is one of the better scenes from here we go to uh the scene with henry small shows up at the talon and basically tells lana that he's gonna go to the thing and then we go back to i believe this is when Clark is in the the torch doing some research with Pete and he finds out that Eric went to like some science thing in the summer at Kansas state and it blew up, which I don't say, but the newspaper says, which I guess is where he got the metal plate in his head. Yeah. But it's also interesting that like, they, they this is like the first athlete in the show that they don't play as a dumb jock. Yeah. Because he went from nerd to, to jock. Yeah. Well, he always played baseball, but basically Pete was like, he was terrible. Yeah, he was, he was specific, the specific line was, 
he was mainly he was basically a bench warmer. Yeah, um, but this is the scene where we get the whole where Clark talks about Chloe looking like every time he's with Lana, he's cheating on her, which I did love Pete's joke when she's like, oh, I thought you quit. And Pete's like, that's an option. And Chloe just like gives him a stare and he's like, whoop, 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 whoop. he does like a Zoidberg out of the room. Yeah. Because he just like leaves. And I was just like, oh, that was actually like a good moment of like, that is a joke. Somebody who like knows they're in like a super uncomfortable situation would make. And then they basically leave saying that they're breaking up their friendship, Chloe and Clark. Yeah. And they're treating it way more dramatic <laughs> than it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had a childhood friend. I was like, I had a friend from like who I was friends with from since like childhood, and the whole friendship just ended because of a stupid Gears of War <laughs> match. I've had. I basically lost a friend because I did not like Cloverfield. <laughs> so like, I can get that, but yeah, it's not like I guess I can kind of get in the show because they're high schoolers and everything is super dramatic. I don't know. It's like this super weird love, like the love, the forced love triangle when it's so obviously, even at this point, it's like, no, Clark has like no romantic feelings for Chloe anymore, the way they're writing him. Oh, man. Um, Well, from here, we get back to, I guess, the more interesting parts of the episode. So Clark follows Eric to the foundry, which is some place, and they're melting down the meteor rock and refining it even more and turning it into a liquid which is what they are then putting into inhalers and, I guess, taking in the vapors of it. It's like proto-vape pen of kryptonite. And they see the two guys leave, and Eric is working on it, and then Clark is hiding, and then they immediately know where Clark is and like start beating the crap out of him. And then one of the best scenes, I think, in an episode we've seen, like it's really heavy, they open up the furnace and throw him into it. Well, there's two things I just wanted to make a note of. Did you notice how terrible the effect of Marsh? Oh, the uh, the vape, the vapor, the green vapor. Yeah, it looked like something out of Batman and Robin. Oh yeah, it was so like After Effects, which I don't even think was a thing yet. Like, there's some bad CGI in these two episodes. This is like the smoke effect is one of them. In the second one, the rain is the other. Yeah, but I did like the um. So they leave, they haul ass in their yellow pickup truck. And then we see like the hand on the door and then Clark opens it and he comes out, which is why I did my intro the way I did. It's like, he comes out so Terminator. Like it's so like with the one foot forward, like, uh, and then they have the scene with him naked. It totally reminded me of like T2. Yeah. So maybe if I feel up to it, I will put T2 music in during my read of that part. I don't know. I can't remember the theme right now. Yes. <laughs> also, did, did you notice the... I forgot what movie it was from. I think it's Titanic. The hand on the uh, on the glass. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's slowly he, going down. Yeah. That's like a... Like, such a, like, horror movie trope. But yeah, like, it, it was... They only sit on it for a second. The next scene is ridiculous, though, which is when Clark shows back up home, like, covered in soot with, um... With, with like... Overalls. Not necessarily overalls. It's mainly a jumpsuit. That's what, yeah. It's a like a jumpsuit thing. Oh, I do want to mention. So his burns healing, I thought was actually done really well when he comes out. Yeah, and they it also looked, do. It looked, it looked very uh, X two. Yes, uh, which this has got to be close to the same time as the first X Men, at least, right? X Men one came out in two thousand. X two came out in oh three. 
So this is the exact same as O three. So yeah, so that's pretty good effects. I did like that they do whatever they can to show as much as they could of a teenage boy's ass. Yeah, <laughs> it is ridiculous. Um, yeah, so Clark shows back up at home, and basically, they're, his parents are like, "What the hell is going on?" And they're like, "Oh, you got to call the police." And he, they're worried about exposing Clark's secret. And then this is when they leave an anonymous tip, and Eric gets arrested at the field by the new sheriff. There's a lot of these like kind of small like two second scenes which is like him getting arrested and clark arriving home that are just it's just like oh we have to move the plot along here's a quick scene and then we cut to another quick scene yeah then there's also the bit where he goes into the tor- the office or the torch office and announces that everything's fucked up yeah that's in like a couple scenes from now because first it's uh this is the next scene is when lana and chloe are in the car and they see mrs small and then she goes in and basically tells lana that she's divorcing henry and it's this was like well i was like wow this woman is a piece of garbage because she basically says oh i'm divorcing my husband because you came into our life and he cares more about you his long lost daughter than he does about me his wife and even though you're a teenager and this is way too much to put on your plate yeah it's your fault you win i give up i was like wow yeah what was this what was the actual line it was like this is me admitting defeat yeah, it's like, this is admitting, me admitting defeat, you win. And Lana's like, I don't want to win. Yeah. It's just like, it was so much. Like, it was like, it was. I was just like, wow, this woman's really shitty. Like, I don't know. It, it's it's weird. And it's a lot for an adult to put on a teenager. Because it's one of the things I have to remind myself is that these are teenagers. Even though they look like 25-year-olds? Mm-hmm. Or even though they are 25-year-olds? Um, Some of them are fairly young. Like, young-ish, but they're older than, like, they're playing. Like, they're supposed to be playing at this point, what, like, 16? And they're, like, 19, 20? Uh, at this point, they're... they're sophomores. They're, they're supposed to be 15, 16. And in reality, they're being played by actors who are in the early to mid-20s. Yeah, which is why it doesn't look weird when Lex is around, even though it should be super, super weird. Which I do think, like we were talking about before we started recording, like in Homecoming, like it makes such a difference when you actually have younger kids playing high schoolers of how more, much more realistic it looks. Yeah. Because I can't remember, Holland was what, like six, seventeen in the first one when they filmed it? Or in event, uh, in Civil War, I think he's like 17 and he's like 18 in Spider-Man Homecoming. And they at least kind of look children. He's kind of getting out of that realm now, all of them. Yeah. Um, but back to this episode, this is where we get the Chloe and Lionel confrontation. Which is a major catalyst towards the the third and fourth season. Yes. And basically Lionel's like, oh, I know all about you. And she's like asking him like hard questions, kind of. And he just kind of brushes her off, but acknowledges like who she is mm-hmm. and stuff. And then this is where we cut to the next day. Or no, we cut to the town and Clark goes to talk to Lana. He tells her about getting into a fight. And she tells him about the visit with Jennifer and they kind of, he kind of tells her that she should talk to Henry. And then Lana tells him he should talk to Chloe and Clark basically doesn't inform Lana that unlike the adult, that she is actually the reason that like her and Chloe are having issues and he doesn't put it on her because he's more mature than an adult woman. Yeah. And then, so this is when we have Clark go to the torch and the torch, like, Ransack doesn't explain enough because when we see it, like like the be- the support beams of the room are broken in half. Yeah, I wonder who did that. Yeah, well, they, it's definitely heavily implied that it was Eric because, like, when 
Clark tries to comfort Chloe, and then she basically is like, no, I'm going to go look for a friend. And then as he leaves, um, Erica's like, oh, it's so terrible what happened to the torch. It'd be, then, a shame. It'd be a shame something happened to your parents. Yes. Oh, we did skip a scene. Um, did not realize where it was. But at some point after Erica's arrested, uh, Lex goes and talks to him. And basically is like, oh, you could use a friend because like, if you get convicted of all this, like, you can kiss all your millions of dollars in professional contracts away. But so, yeah, Lex bailed him out. So then Clark super speeds home and he finds Jonathan and Martha... I can't think of another word besides like crucified on like well, the block. Well, here's the thing. Martha is crucified. Like she's straight up like her arms are like spread. I'm looking at like the image now. She does have like a support thing. Like they both do, but Jonathan they both are crucified, but she's unconscious. Jonathan's kind of at an angle. He's sort of on a diagonal. Yeah. And he, he they he just looks silly. He looks silly. Martha looks dead. <laughs> yeah. And taking into account that she's pregnant. Yes, which they do a lot to her in this episode for her being pregnant. She's also really not in either of these episodes very much, like, at all. So this is where Clark goes and confronts Lex about spring Eric, and he says, I went and did that for Eric because I have. A, I think my father's re-implementing the level three experiments, and uh, I thought he would tell me, but the guy I had following him, the security guard, um, he beat the crap out of which this is the second episode in a row where one of Lex's security guards or security people got like found out and taken by the person that they're supposed to be following. And then they had to basically figure out a plan that obviously Eric has some sort of mole in Luther Corp. And then if Lex puts something out that they're going to be moving more kryptonite or at this point, he's just saying meteor rock still to everybody but Pete that they'll show up. And Lex does not want to involve the cops or want Clark there. And this is when we get, um, I think Clark goes back home and talks to Jonathan about them leaving town. Yeah, he wants them to, or he wants them to get away until he figures he fixes things. And Jonathan wants Clark to go with them, but he can't do that because he's a sheriff. Yeah, I actually think this is my favorite scene in this episode because like, Clark is out Jonathan-ing Jonathan. Well, there's also a Jonathan line that is pretty killer. And that's they may, they may have your strength, but they don't have your powers. Oh, yes. I thought you meant like he's like, because Clark says, you know, I'm worried about you, mom, and the baby. And he's like, yeah, I'm worried about mom, myself, and the baby, and you too. But yeah, you're right. Like, this scene is like really good. Like, them going back and forth about like out stoic savioring each other. And basically, Clark wins the argument, and Jonathan decides to take Martha to a doctor in Metropolis and maybe stay there for a couple of days. Uh, I thought they were spending it. With, they were gonna. Oh, they were gonna spend it uh, with Martha's father. Yes, but the I think he says he's gonna take her to a hospital to get checked out and then well. go. Yeah. So from here, the plan is coming through. So Lex is talking to his people. There's like he has a guy in the truck, and there's like another. I think there's like another security guy there as well. And like, as he's saying, it's like, Oh, don't do anything until you, I give the order. You want to catch them in the act. And then like, before he can say like the next thing he gets like, karate, he gets karate chopped to the back of the neck. So, which should have made him, should have paralyzed him. <laughs> yeah. Instead of Clark doing the tap on like the Luke cage tap on the forehead, he like, it's literally like a karate chop. I guess they like, were like, Oh, just hit him and knock him out. And he was like, uh, okay. It does like, karate chop action 
You know, when I saw that scene, all I was thinking about was Goldeneye. Oh my god, yes, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's been like it's been over twenty years, but I still remember. Yeah, that's that was like that's like one of the most seminal games of all time. Um, from here, though, we move to the big super fight. So, yeah, talk about more CTs. This this is like the most ridiculous and bad super fight I think we've had. So Clark fights three on one. He gets the drop on the first guy. Then the other. Then he gets immediately surrounded. Each of them holding like a metal weapon. So like um, Eric has like a pipe, and the other guys have like rebar. And then Clark just decides to stare up at the ceiling at like these pipes hanging. And the guy like looks at him staring at it, and then looks up at it. And in the oh slow, no, yeah, in the slowest trash. And then Clark visions the thing, and it, <laughs> and a bunch of it's so slow. Like he's just like, what's he looking at? Why is he looking at them pipes? Oh no! Ah, so that guy's so bad. Guy one is taken, or bad guy number two is taken out because I don't think they ever get names. The other two guys. Well, bad guy two is dead. Oh, the one that he so. Is that the one that goes to like he? Oh yes, Clark super speeds behind him and then like throws him into a wall. Actually, no, I stand, I stand corrected. Both of the the henchmen are dead. Yeah, like Clark super speeds behind him and I can't. He like doesn't he throw? He ends up getting tossed and he, lands. He takes the the uh, long oh he, thing and uh, wraps it around him and then just tosses him aside. Yeah, and he lands in the pile of the pipes that the other guy is underneath. So. Yeah, and then Eric is like, what the hell is going on? I'm, like, scared. And then Clark, uh, oh, no, he picks up, like, a giant cinder block thing and hits Clark over the head with it, which it does nothing. And then I believe Clark, like, throws him against the wall, too. Yeah, but he does it with safety, unlike the other two, which he just killed. Yeah, so this ends this, which I have a ton of problems with how this wraps up this story. Yeah. Uh, So then we go to Pete is burying the meter rocks out in the woods. The next day... Clark goes to the mansion and talks to Lex, who has poured two glasses of orange juice, I guess knowing Clark was on his way there, and hands him one. And we see Lex says that he has suspicions about what happened to everything. And then we see Lana's conversation with Henry Small, which this is the last time we see him ever in the series. So even though they have this really intense conversation, which is like, I actually think this is the best acting that Kristen Kirk has done in the show, is this right here. Her, like, trying to not, like, cry was really well done. And then she goes to the Kent farm and steals Clark away. And basically, Clark kind of convinces her to do the thing anyway, the horse thing. I don't know what it's called. Some sort of contest. And then we get the other big foreshadowing scene, which is Lionel showing up with the torch. And basically says to Chloe that he's going to donate money just for it to be rebuilt. And also get her a column in the Daily Planet. Yeah, which there's no way that would work. Um, well, he has enough influence that he could get it to do that, but like she's just kind of she kind of questions like why, but he never gives anytime she says why, he just is like, Oh, like because I like that you're like, I want the truth too. Like I think that things need more of new blood, blah blah blah. And she never is like, Oh, I'm making a deal with the devil, which is obviously what she's doing. Which will have heavy con- consequences at the end of next season yeah because doesn't he like have everything bugged in there yeah okay and he literally tries to put a hit out on her yeah because they also intimate that so the three guys got arrested 
they come clean about everything except about destroying the torch. And it's kind of just like left there hanging, but it's yeah. pretty obvious that it's implied that Lionel had the torch wrecked. Yeah, I think, I think it was Clark who said it, and uh, it was something along the lines of, why, why, um, why say that you did these terrible things or these very bad things, but this not this not so bad thing you did you denied doing. But then again, mm-hmm. Lionel is a master manipulator. Yeah. So that kind of that wraps up this episode. But there is like a ton of things, or not a ton. There's a couple things. So one, uh, this is the last we ever not only see of Henry Small, Small, but ever talk about him. So they never mention him ever again in the rest of the series. So, like, I guess they just, like, didn't, they just didn't know what to do with, like, that revelation in season two and just ignore it for forever. And, yeah, we already talked about all the foreshadowing stuff. The other thing that really bothers me is they basically right away that the three guys are arrested and they're refusing to say what happened to them. Why? What does it do them to not say anything? Unless the implication is that, like, Lionel is paying them to keep their mouth shut. Or, and hear me out on this one. He employs them. Okay. The only other thing I thought you were going to go with, they're so concussed that they yeah, don't remember that, what happened. Well, not just that. They have, they're all in comas. <laughs> but yeah, and that's like, that bothered me so much at the end of this. I was just like, ugh. Yeah, it would have been much better if they made it more, um, I don't know, what, what am I saying? Like, more explicit. Like, that Lionel did something with it. Um, but was there anything else you want to talk about in this episode? Did you have an MVP or LVP? My MVP was uh, Welling. Yeah, I would say like he his conversation with Jonathan had him win the episode for me too. I honestly don't know if I have like an LVP. Oh, oh, it's, oh! Wait, wait, wait! No, uh, Mrs. Small. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot she was even in this episode, but yeah. But otherwise, like, I don't know, it's, this is like pure filler, except for the for all the foreshadowing stuff, which is the one of the things that I guess Smallville did really good is that like, no matter what episode, there's always stuff in every episode that ties in like they don't have real. There's real. Yeah, every episode has at least one thing that's that is important to the plot and story, like the overarching. Yeah, there's no like real pure filler episodes. Yeah, but we I think we can move into the second episode, which is Accelerate. So this is a weird episode. So we start off with the, the gang at the Talon watching an old horror movie, which is... Did you see which movie it was? I have no idea. Uh, they are watching House on Haunted Hill, the original one from 59. Wow. So, which I'm guessing Warner Brothers had the rights to it, because that way they didn't have to pay for anything. So we get. I, the, I wouldn't be surprised. So the only thing of importance in this is that when Lana gets scared, she grabs Clark's hand. After this, we see Clana, Lana by herself uh, cleaning the movie theater, and we see like a video of childhood Lana playing with another girl. And then this little girl shows up out of nowhere and freaks her out until Clark shows up, and then the girl is gone. Spooky. Um, this would have been worked much better as a Halloween episode, but this came out in May. So, wow. yeah. So then we go to Lana in her bedroom. Again, we see this Emily. And this is where we learn that she, Lana tells Emily that she died six years ago. And Clark comes into her room. And Lana's convinced that she's seen a ghost. And they go to the bridge. 
I'm rushing through all this because this is like quick cut, quick cut, like these things. And basically tells the story that Emily slipped off the bridge and drowned. Clark suggested they go and talk to her parents, which Lana doesn't know what happened to the mom, but she knows the dad moved to Granville, which we then go to Granville and we meet the dad, which is the guy who played the janitor in Scrubs. Yeah. And it was also in uh, The Fugitive. Yeah. He's also in like a hit TV show right now, isn't he? Uh, the middle, the middle, which has been going on for like seven years or something. Uh, it's been going on for nearly 10 years. Oh, my God. Because I know like the one little kid is now like not a little kid. And the daughter is like doing like kind of starting to do like real movies and stuff. Yeah. And the son and the other son was in Hot Tub Time Machine. And that was it. <laughs> That's it for his career. Well, that show's still going. So I'm sure that they all get that's like one of those shows that'll be on TV forever. Because they have so many seasons. Yeah. So it's very like Malcolm in the Middle of a TV show. Except that they, there's no real main protagonist. Like the family itself. I don't know. You don't need to talk about that show. We're talking about this show. Yeah, this show's much better. So he basically is like, you guys are dicks for talking about my dead kid. Please get the hell out of my face. Well, so Yeah, she said that, or Lana says that she's been seeing her. And I believe it's her or Clark that says... If Lana's been Lana's been seeing her, then there's no re- reason. Then you have you must have seen her. And he says, "Yes, I have seen her. Want to listen to her, her favorite music or anything that or when? Yeah, anything that reminds him of her, which you'd think is very endearing. But later on in the episode, yeah, his reaction is like a good reaction because he's like, "Why are you throwing this at me? Get out of my face!" And so he leaves in his car, and they're like, "What?" So then we go to the Luther mansion and we have Lionel showing up while Lex is trying wedding cakes. Ellen isn't there. Um, oh, this is the, this is, I guess I got these confused. This is when um, this stuff with the honeymoon and the hundred thousand dollars conversation happens. It's in this episode um, as opposed to the last one. So you already kind of talked about that, but yeah, that actually doesn't happen in the, that didn't happen in the last episode. It happened in this one. So now I don't even remember why they met in the first one. I, th- I think it was, it was a so- social call. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he's like, oh, I just wanted to see. You. Oh, no. I think he says like, oh, I wanted to come and congratulate you on your wedding announcement. And I'm glad I learned about it in the, the Inquisitor. Inquisitor. So that's that was the first meeting. They're basically the exact same meeting. He said this one is surrounded by cakes. I did. I did really love uh, Jonathan Glover eating the cake. It was like it was like amaretto butter. And he's just like, oh, can I have a glass of water? The, the alcohol taste is overpowering the butter so much. <laughs> it was just like pure, like, oh, this is like super rich and like indulgent. So while this is going on, Clark goes to the computers and the torch to talk to research the thing when Chloe arrives. And she's like, you know, when you hand in your press patch, you hand in all the stuff, which the now the torch is like completely rebuilt. Yeah, I think they have newer Mac computers in it at this point. Because they did not look like the giant bulky colored ones that they previously had. So um, basically it gets her intrigued. And this is where Chloe's like, well, you don't know everything. Like, like Lana doesn't like you're not there when she's crying in her bed alone at night at 3 a.m. Yeah. When that when I heard that line, I was like, man, things are getting dark. Yeah. Well, like I, it's, I, I would suppose that like she's crying because of the thing with her dad. But also yeah. like. Okay, so you're telling this to Clark, but of course he wouldn't be there. Like, how many people are you going to 
be next to you that are crying at 3 a.m. But I think it's supposed to tie into like what happens, their conversation at the end of the episode. So we'll get there. So from here, we see Mr. Dinsmore, um, I guess, at his old cow- house where he finds Emily. And she's upset that the bunnies are gone and asks, like, why does why did Lana say she died? And basically, this all ends with her getting mad and throws a giant metal pinwheel through his body, through his gut. Yeah. So I was like, oh, man, because he, like, falls forward, so it impales him even more. We don't actually see. We just see, like, the spike and that it's, like, kind of bloody. I was like, man, he should not be dead from this. It's, like, through his gut. And I was like, oh, wait, he's not. Yeah. Um. So Clark and Pete uh, P go to the cemetery. Clark x-ray visions the grave to see if the body's in it. It is. And then Pete's like, oh, dude, 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 and hits him. And it's like, oh, my God, the little dead girl is right there. Then she like super she disappears and Pete's like, oh, my God. And then we get a interesting shot. The CGI effects of the raindrops is terrible, but I think the rest of it is actually cool. We get a uh, scene that, that was stolen and or, or that was stolen from this and placed right in Justice League. Yes. And that is so Clark is actually able to follow her. And so she's not disappearing. She's moving at super speed. And he basically follows her and they make eye contact. He follows her out of this, like through the cemetery and into a um, mausoleum, I think is the correct word. Yeah, where he finds a necklace. Yes. So we don't find out really all of her power set in this episode, um, but we will later on down the line of how she got out of there. Because I was like, oh, how'd you get out of there? But they don't talk about it in this one, but in the other one next season, they explain how she did. Um, so we go to the medical center. Lionel's visiting Mr. Dinmore and Lex arrives. And then when Lex goes to see him, he sees Emily who's talking to him. And she's like, I don't like that guy. He's a bad guy. And then Clark or Lex turns back around and Emily's gone. Clark and Lana go to Mr. Dinsmore's house. They're basically walking through this creepy house with all the lights off. And they find her bedroom with everything exactly as it was with the journal. And then Clark sees that there's a secret switch behind a bookcase and opens it. And I thought he... This is one of the things I had an issue with. I was like, oh, is he going to ask Lana, what was her birthday to put in? That's probably the code. No, he just like opens up the goddamn wall when she's right next to him. Yeah, and it's basically <laughs> a uh, an observatory. Yes. So it's like a, a crazy lab. There's blue vials everywhere. There's three tanks with what appears to be people floating in them. Clark wipes off the, the second tank. So the first one is empty and open. The second one, he wipes off like the top of it and looks through and it's Emily. Lana runs to the third one, wipes that one off, and it's also Emily. And then that Emily's eyes open and she jumps back, breaking a bunch of glass containers holding green fluid, which is obviously kryptonite. And Clark is getting sick. And then they he's like, we should get the hell out of here. And we go to the Ken farm where they basically had told Adams, Sheriff Adams about the lab. And she's like, oh, must have done. Did she say a... um David Copperfield. Yeah. So it disappeared. Um, and Clark goes back there. This is like one of those things that I hate that they do in the show where they just jump from like um, setting to setting super quickly. So we jump away from the house to learn that then nothing is there. And then we go right back to the house. So Clark goes immediately back. He sees that everything is gone. And then this is when I believe he sees Emily sitting in a chair and they have a conversation and he's like, you're not her, like, and kind of gives her the truth. And then she disappears and Clark turns around and it's Lex and basically is like, yeah, uh, I saw her too and found out that, that Mr. D- 
Dinsmore was work, what he was working on, which was growing a rabbit embryo to an adult in a matter of days. That's the title of the episode, Accelerate. Then we jump right back to the Kent's house. This is, again, I, I don't know if this bothers you as much as it bothers me, but like this jumping back and forth. No, it's not just you. Okay, because it's like, it is, so we went from the house, from the lab to the Kent's house, back to the lab, now back to the Kent's house. So Lana gets visited by Emily in a super creepy fashion, and then Lana goes to follow her to the river. Then we jump to a quick scene of Lex visiting uh, Mr. Dentmore, and then he learns that something that is completely unscientific, that the experiment messed with her chromosomes, so she has no... She doesn't know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. Which is not a thing. <laughs> like, that's not how chromosomes work. I guess this is supposed to be like a bad seed type thing. Yeah, has to be. All right. So Alex learns that. He confronts, I think this is like, oh no, we have the quick shot of Lana telling Emily what really happened. Basically, Lana's the one that fell in. Emily jumped in to try to save her, and in doing so, ended up getting herself killed. And Lana Which, was able to survive. And the clone does not like that. And yeah, and the clone basically says, well, yeah, this time you won't. And super speed pushes her into the river. Um, which I did see a production note on this, which I was like, oh, this makes sense. Because so in that scene, it's actually raining. Um, so it was actually raining in Vancouver at the time. <clears throat> so they were actually supposed to do the stunt of Lana falling into the river. And instead they had to change it. So she actually has like a rope around her. And she gets pushed and she just kind of swings under. And then everything else that they did was in a tank in the studio, which is why when they're underwater, it looks so clear and good and super deep. It's because it's in like a giant tank. I am not surprised whatsoever. Yeah. So from this, her getting pushed into the river, we cut back to the mansion again. Alex confronts him about the level three. And basically the only thing of importance here is that Lionel, while in his meeting with the governor, tells Lex that the Kawachi caves are now under Luther Corp and not Lex Corp's control. And then Clark goes in and saves Lana. I guess before that, well, I didn't realize. So Clark, after she gets pushed off, Clark shows up immediately and saves Lana. And she says, hold me. After he gives her CPR in the worst. I don't know. Did you notice this? So when he's giving her CPR, he's pushing in the wrong spot. He's pushing her like abdomen, like her guts. Huh. Yeah, so he's, like, doing compressions, and by compressions, I mean placing his hands and, like, bending his elbows on her, like, abdomen and not her chest. Like, he's trying to push the water out of her stomach. And I'm guessing it's because maybe he was uncomfortable with putting his hands on her chest, or maybe they were afraid of him putting his hands on her chest on, like, what that might... I don't know, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Um, he's also doing this when she's not laying flat on her back. She's, like, on a rock. Like, it's just, like, a really bad... CPR scene where it's like oh if you know anything about it like none of the things that he has her set up would work because her like feet are lower than her head he doesn't tilt her head back he doesn't do it all he does is like push on her guts and then blow in her mouth and like hold her nose and then so she sits up water she says hold me after the whole Luther thing is Jonathan showing the crib to Clark and then uh, Lana shows up and they talk in the thing that basically that she's afraid that Clark's gonna see her for like not being perfect and that it's going to destroy his vision of her blah 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 and then we get to like the craziest scene in this episode which is the Lionel with Mr. Dintmore with like the two way or the one way glass yeah and oh my god this is like super dark 
and basically he tells Lionel tells uh, Mr. Dittmore that he can't work on the project anymore because he's too emotionally attached. And he's like, but she's my daughter. And he goes, no, your daughter died. That that is property of Luther Corp. And then we see Dittmore looking through the glasses. Lionel walks in with a gift. Um, Emily is like, I don't like you. You're a bad guy. And he's like, well, why don't you see what's in here? And he opens up the box and it's a bunny. And then he hands that bunny to the girl. And then the scene fades to black with the credits, but like the talking still going. And Lionel is still talking to her and like laughing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird scene, but it's like, Oh, Lionel is savage. So that is where this episode ends. Um, the, the couple of little things. So this is the fourth out of five appearances that Evangeline Lilly makes in the series. Oh my God. So she's like one of the background characters, I believe when they're watching the movie in the beginning. And then, yeah, Emily uh, Dinsmore will appear next season in episode. Oh my God. I can't find it. Um, why can I find the episode? But she does appear next season, but it's a different actress because she ages up. And then, yeah, I guess that's kind of it for like the kind of little things. But yeah, that's like the big and also like the whole idea of like the human cloning comes into the show like heavy later on in the series. Yeah, specifically season seven and ten. Yeah, and like I don't know, like MVP and LVP, I feel like everybody was kind of the same. My MVP is Jonathan Glover because that first scene with the cake, he is just chewing up the scenery more than he is that cake. But I don't really have an LVP in this one because there's not really many characters and no one's really doing a terrible job. Well, my my LVP is uh, the child actress. Oh, I didn't think she was that bad for a child actress. It just, something didn't feel right. I get what you mean. I think she played, like, angry really well, like, when she was mad or um, upset. But, like, her, like, otherwise was just, like, weird. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Would you, I guess I started this last episode. What would you give the, as a grade to each of these episodes? Uh, number scale or like a letter grade. I, I put them at like a C. First episode, uh, C plus this episode C minus. Yeah. To me, I'm like, I don't think I ever have to watch these episodes again. I mean, the reason I'm like, I mean, if you look at it, these are two different takes on other people with Clark's powers. Not, not just, well, not, not, not that really, but family. Oh yes. Yeah. Like with, for example, Lana and Henry small. And oh then, yeah. I didn't even think about it that way. You're right. Yeah. Like the kind of father daughter relationship. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting look at it. Like the, how these kind of match up as a pair. Hmm. So we do have, Two more episodes, so that only means one for us, of season two left. So our next episode is Calling, which is when Dr. McGlasses wakes up. And is basically the big bad of the season. And and gets not taken out immediately. Yes. And then uh, Lark and... Oh my god, I'm messing up their name. Clark and Lana kind of sort of cook up. And the second one is Exodus. Yeah. Which is where... I believe this is when Clark goes to like the Kawachi cave thing or with the, this is when Clark kind of does that weird Kal-El thing. Well, not something that, or in an interview that the 
the showrunners of of the show or the show the Smallville showrunners did when they compared season one and season two. They wanted to be season one being Clark at his highest in terms of being a hero, and season two being his lowest point. I mean, if you remember what ends up happening at the end of the season. Yeah, like this this next episode is super interesting, or the, the, the season finale. But um, yeah, like this is, I'm just like reading over like what happens. It's like, oh, wow, this gets like super dark. Plus, there's there is one thing we have that we can look forward to in season three. And what is that? Cal. Oh, yes, Cal. Versus Jonathan, and by that I mean the ha- like an actual fight, because Jor-El ends up giving Jonathan Kryptonian powers. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I feel like season three is when we start to get kicked off into like the real kind of Kryptonian stuff. That and more standalone stories. Yeah, more both more standalone and also less like I'm trying to think of how to put it, but um, they do a better job of not just like doing these little hints at things, but kind of doing this like better overarching story and like having stuff tie in like a little bit better and less of this like we don't get episodes like the ones we watch today as much. Like they're kind of a little they're a little bit better, and I don't know. I think that season three is like when they start to hit their stride in this show. And like they know where the, what the show is, and then season four is, I think, the one that's like really goddamn weird. Well, season four is when they started opening up. Like, okay, there's an episode of season four where, and this is gonna sound very batshit crazy or batshit stupid. Clark and Lionel end up switching bodies. Oh my god! <laughs> um, what and and well, that, I I was gonna say something, but that would have been a big spoiler. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, it gets into the weird stuff, because I think, isn't that when, what's his name from, um, isn't Jensen Eccles in season four? Jensen Eccles, it's the, it's the, well, in season three, they introduced, they brought in Ian Somerhalder, who was Boone on Lost, he was a character on Vampire Diaries, and they wanted to have something along the lines of a love triangle between or a uh, a potential romantic, like, or they want to have romantic interest for Lana. Oh, yeah, because season four is when Lois shows up too, right? Season four is Lois, Adam Knight, um, Bart Allen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, season four is when they start to get, like, really into, like, the expanded DC Universe stuff. Oh, it's exciting. So after our next episode, we will probably do some sort of a bonus episode. Maybe we'll watch the Adrian Pilecki Wonder Woman pilot. Yeah, that would be perfect since she's in the next episode. Yep. So we'll try to have some special guests on for that. But otherwise, I think we can leave it there. Um, So you can check out me and Alan do a couple other podcasts. So every Thursday, you could check out on the Phantom Zone stream. We do a comic show uh, with the two of us and John and Connor. And then every other Thursday, part of Los Haro, you can check out the Legion of Tunes, and you can find that all those things on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, other, and, and basically any podcasting service. Yep, 
And check out all of the things at losharo.wordpress.com, including your other podcast, which is Los Haro Games. Yeah, which is and doing amazing. Oh my god, we're we're getting so close just yep. to, to six hundred. So guys, don't forget just like you can don't forget to also like like and comment things, join the Facebook group, leave five stars. <laughs> oh oh a uh something that I'll, I just wanted to tease listeners with a a little, little glimmer of what can be expected from or what to expect from this week's episode of Los Our Games Podcast. Hunter has a legend has he as he said, a legendary rant about EA. <laughs> because they canceled yet another Star Wars game. Oh my god. I think we talked about that in the comic show, didn't we, for like a minute? Yeah. Oh man. So definitely check that out. I know. I will. And uh we'll catch you guys on the conclusion to season two next week. So I've been Lou Gonzalez. I'm Alan Muir. And this podcast stands for truth, justice, and the American way. <laughs>